Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. I miss Adam Gase already. All right, Bill's Mafia, what is going on? Thank you so much for listening to me on this Monday, June 14th. You're listening to Buffalo in the Brain, and I'm your host, Vince Taylor. You are listening to me on the Built in Buffalo podcast network, where we do have new Buffalo Bills content for you every single day of the week. Let's dive right in. We do have some sort of Bills news to talk about, as the Zach Ertz trade, not trade, that drama is still going on. It's lingering for a little while. Uh, earlier this week, I I just had some questions. Like, I, I couldn't understand why a guy who's supposedly viewed by most fans or a lot of fans, I'd say a lot of fans, as a top tight end uh, is not, has not been traded yet. Now, to me, there's like four or five tight ends in the league that are top tight ends worthy, the elite guys. And having one of those folks is just, it's a huge disadvantage. It's a huge advantage. I'm sorry. It's a disadvantage for the defense. Um, It's just another person you got to cover and pay attention to, as opposed to the slot guy or the wide receiver, the running back. Well, now I got to pay attention to Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller or George Kittle. If Zach Ertz was viewed as that guy, he'd be gone by now. There'd be a bidding war for his services. Somebody would pay a third round pick, uh, whatever the price is, they would consider paying that. And yes, I know he's on the other side of 30 and I know it's a COVID cap year. And I, I realized he was injured last year, but if he were still viewed as that guy, I don't understand why that trade would not be made. Now we can talk about the COVID cap, uh, But we know that there is ways around that, which I'm not always in favor of doing. But it does seem that Brandon Bean, who is much smarter than I am, is still concerned about the tight ends. Uh, There were some reports this week that he still was concerned about the tight ends. I know he called them out at the end of last year saying, uh, well, I don't remember the quote, but basically he's saying he didn't get much from the tight ends last year. And remember, that was a record-breaking Bills offense. We haven't seen, like anything like that in our lifetime, even the Kelly years, which it was a little bit of a different era, but even the Kelly years didn't have that same level of offense. And we basically got nothing from a tight end position. So we can make the argument that maybe Zach Ertz isn't that guy. Uh, Is he an upgrade over Dawson Knox? Well, I believe that. I believe that's true. Um, however, I also believe Jacob Hollister is probably an upgrade over Dawson Knox as well. And we wouldn't have to move any money around or trade any draft capital to get him in here. Um, once you get past the elite tight ends, I feel like there's just a big middle tier section where most tight ends are somewhat of the same. And I feel like Dawson Knox 
is not there yet. Sure, you know, I, I'm not mad at Brandon Bean for taking the swing on potential. I think it was smart. However, continuing to start him over and over again when he's dropping passes or missing blocks and or is generally just not ready to play the NFL tight end position yet. And you can talk about how he played quarterback in high school, blah, 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 blah. Or he didn't catch any touchdowns in college because he played with whatever. That solidifies my point that he shouldn't be starting. I have no problem with him being on the roster if he's tight end two, maybe even tight end three. But I think Jacob Hollister we would just slide in and he would fit very well into that second tier of NFL tight ends. Uh, I don't even think that it's a question and maybe we want to give Dawson Knox. This is pretty much the last shot for him. I believe if he can't show anything this year, then I have to start believing that he can't do it. Um, Despite all his athleticism, it's not equaling anything on the field, but back to Zach Ertz, because that's really what we're talking about here. The Zach Ertz trade that's not done yet. And if he were considered a tight, a tight end, top five tight end, that deal would be done. Somebody would be willing to pay the price and take a swing on him. If he gets released, as I said last week, he's not coming to the Bills unless we drastically overoffer. He's going to go back to Carson Wentz and Frank Reich. So our only real option, if we want him, is to trade. And there doesn't seem to be that strong of a market right now. And that's concerning to me. Um, because we shouldn't be giving up assets for a middle tier tight end. I don't think if we're not getting a top tight end, a top elite tight end, I have no interest in trading for one. Um, you know, I, I saw a report actually just today, there was a report on uh, MSN sports. It didn't even mention the bills. It didn't even mention the bills as a potential trade partner. Now I don't necessarily believe that's true. I think Brandon Bead made the cap space with Stefan Diggs, as I said last week to make this trade. They're haggling over price. I don't know that for a fact. That's my speculation. Um, They're trying to wait them out. But that would also mean to me that there's not a very strong trade market for him. Um, But that article listed the Titans as a possible destination, even after the Julio Jones trade. Um, It mentioned the Colts, obviously, and the Carolina Panthers, which was sort of interesting to me. Um, No bills. The bills were not listed as a potential trade partner. I mean, if Zach Ertz were truly an elite tight end, as some of us want to believe, then why are there so few suitors, right? There should be 20 teams, 20 teams lined up to just be, hey, take a fourth and I'll take some cash on. Um, But that doesn't seem to be the case. Now, Joe Marino, actually, I like it when smart people agree with me because I feel smart and I'm not smart. So when uh, somebody that I consider much smarter than me agrees with me, it makes me smile a little bit. But Joe Marino is against this trade, and he actually broke down the uh, drop percentages between the two. Now, Dawson Knox had a 9% drop rate, and Zach Ertz had a 6% drop rate. So yes, it is a lower percentage, but it's not drastic to his point. So um, still, count me out on the Zach Ertz trade. I'm still curious as to why there's not a longer list of trade partners. And I think even the most diehard Zach Ertz fans should at least, that should at least cross their mind. Like I'm not saying that that fact alone should make you like reverse course and be like, you know what, Vince, you're right. And change your mind. Like, I don't, I don't think it's that strong of an argument, but it should cross your mind. You should wonder, you should wonder. Um, DM three, I know you're listening and I'm sure you're going to have a rebuttal. Um, 
and let's go ahead and, and schedule you uh, to come on after my vacation. But moving on, there was a kerfuffle in practice this week as AJ Epinenza gets a pick six off from Josh Allen in practice, runs it back for a touchdown, and John Feliciano, uh, the defender of Josh Allen, didn't like that. Didn't like that fact that it happened in practice and he ran it back. Um, <laughs> so the story goes, at least what I have read, that uh, Apponenza didn't like being chased down. He threw the he threw the football at Feliciano, and Feliciano retaliated with punches. Um, now, of course, I don't care. I don't care about this shit at all, one way or the other. I feel like this happens every year, all the time with most teams. But right now because we have nothing else to talk about, really. It's pretty slow. Uh, we're making it a big deal. And, you know, honestly, do I care that Josh Allen threw a pick six in practice to a defensive end? No. But I'll tell you what I do like. I like the fact that AJ Epinenz is out there balling. He's trying to earn his job. And, uh, you know, if if you feel like you're getting shut up in practice, try harder, man. You know, uh, everyone's a professional there. You're all fighting for roster spots. It's super competitive in most places on the roster. So, I mean, if you don't like it, step it up. And, uh, I, we can't, we can talk about Josh Allen throwing a pick six in practice. I don't give a rat's ass about that at all. Um, but if I'm going to find anything positive about that, it's the fact that AJ Epinenza is working hard. He knows he sees the writing on the wall. Boogie Basham's coming for his job. Uh, Gregory Rousseau is coming for his job. Yeah, so he's he's working hard, and I guess that's the positive for me. Other than that, I give a la- I give a rat's ass. I don't care. I don't care at all. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and take a real quick break. Uh, I got a message that I would like you to hear from one of our other podcasts here on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. Hi, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another great episode on the Built-In Buffalo Network. My name is Andrew. And I'm Justin. And we're the hosts of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast. We like to consider ourselves average Joes by day, non-professional Buffalo Bills podcasters by night. Andrew and I live and breathe Buffalo Bills football and are here to give you our insights. So this includes year-round content covering the free agency, the draft, training camp, and much more. It's so easy to digest. It's like having a beer with the boys. Hot takes, gut feelings, and whatever other places we might end up. Tune into the Wandering Buffalo podcast for content year-round, because in football, there is no off-season. And you can find us anywhere on the internet by searching The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. Go Go Bills. Bills! Okay, Bills Mafia, welcome back. Uh, in other news around the NFL, I find this next story to be very, well, to be very bluntly, very Jets-ish, uh, even without Adam Gase around running the show. But the Jets have asked last year's leading receiver, Jamison Crowder, to take a 50% pay cut on his $10 million salary. Um, Jamison Crowder was the team's leading receiver last year. He had just 59 catches uh, for 699 yards. But if you remember last year, that Jets receiving core was nothing. 
It was nothing. They had Brashard Perryman. I believe he got hurt. Uh, Braxton Berrios didn't even know who that guy was until last year. Denzel Mims got hurt. I think he played very little. Chris Herndon has never really been a thing. Um, and they just handed the ball off to Frank Gore all the time. The Adam Gase offense was awesome. <laughs> Chef's kiss. I loved it. I miss Adam Gase. But the Jets asking Jamison Crowder to take a 50% pay cut. Uh, after he was their leading receiver last year. Now, he's a slot guy, generally, and they did just draft Elijah Moore. Um, I feel like that's, uh, you know, you feel like you hear stories about how some organizations treat players better or worse than others, and, uh, you know, we're, we're hearing a lot about the Texans lately because of Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, I feel like that's the guy you want to help. Uh, you want to build around him. He was there for you last year. He's a good receiver. He was good in Washington. I actually like him very much. Uh, if he were available at some time in the future to be a possible replacement for Cole Beasley down the road, you could do far worse than Jamison Crowder. They're not the same, and I'm not trying to make that comparison, but I'm just saying he's he's a pretty good slot receiver, and he's moderately priced at just $10 million a year. Uh, to ask him to take a pay cut, yeah, I don't know. Just a slap in the face for a guy who led you uh, in receiving last year on a really bad team. But uh, I guess Jets going to Jets is all I got to say. The Texans have canceled their mini cap. Um, and I like to make fun of the Texans. and I'm going to take that opportunity here. Uh, it's like, hey, guys, we have mastered everything we need to do this year. I know Deshaun Watson isn't here, but we're good. We don't need to work on anything. Uh, Davis Mills, Tyrod Taylor, you guys are awesome. Let's not do any more. Let's not do any more mini camps. You guys have got this. I mean, is there a team in the league that's going to need the extra practice time more than the Houston Texans? I mean, they're destined to be top five, probably top the first overall pick next year. Um, I was being generous when I said top five pick, but they're going to be the top pick, I would think. Um, it just canceling mini camps, you know, it just, I, I don't understand that. Like, uh, you know, work, 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 chase, 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 get better, 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 bigger, faster, more. And the, and the Texans are like, nah, we're good. We got this. Now, to be fair, the 49ers did the same thing. And I don't like that for the 49ers either, but I do think the 49ers are much further ahead in their development as a team. And, you know, they have got their quarterback settled. Um, not to say that Trey Lance couldn't probably use a little work too, but uh, I don't know. Canceling many camps is just odd to me. In other news, Kareem Jackson had been quoted as saying that he believes that Deshaun Watson would like to be traded to the Denver Broncos. Now, I understand why Deshaun Watson wants to be traded out of Texans. I do. But if you listen to my podcast, you know that I would play hardball uh, and I'd be kind of a jerk as an owner because that's my franchise quarterback and I don't want to let you go that easily. I certainly wouldn't want to let you go to an AFC rival. But he doesn't really have a leg to stand on until all of this is settled. If the Texans were to trade him, they would be trading him for pennies on the dollar. And I don't think you want to let your franchise quarterback go for pennies on the dollar. But apparently Ian Rappaport had been kind of doing his own investigating of that story. And he had said he does not believe that's true. He believed that Kareem Jackson had embellished that story. In fact, what he actually found out was that 
Deshaun Watson had been telling a lot of different people that he's joining a lot of different teams. So <laughs> which team does Deshaun Watson want to go to? Probably any of them, not named the Houston Texans. Uh, so that, that I just think it's funny. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson really, really, really wants out. And yeah, there's just no real reason for him to go right now. You hang on to him until this gets settled, and then you decide if you want to trade him or not. Uh, but again, I would never trade him. He's a franchise quarterback. Any picks that I get back, I hope turn into him. But uh, couldn't be my quarterback, right? Uh, it feels so good to be the Buffalo Bills and have our quarterback situation settled basically for the first time since, you know, that little small uh, Drew Bledsoe era. But uh, I digress. All right, Bills Mafia, we're going to take one more short break. And when we come back, we're going to go ahead and get right to the Mafia hot seat. I'm very excited about this week's guest. I have newly promoted editor-in-chief over there on the Buffalo Fanatics Network, Zach Vaughn. He's always been good to me, good friend of the show, as well as my friend and my colleague, um, and one of my biggest supporters for some reason, right here on the Built in Buffalo Network, host of the Windchill Justice General. And last but not least... I keep saying this because it's true, but Nate from Circle in the Wagons is really, truly one of the nicest people that I get a chance to speak with. Um, I just love his personality and his candor, and uh, it's a big reason why I started listening to his podcast. He was one of the first podcasts that I discovered when I knew that Bill's podcasting was a thing. So um, it's it's just always a good time when I get a few minutes to spend with him, and I hope we keep doing this for a while. But uh, take a quick break, and we'll, we come back. We'll get right to it. Is this the built-in Buffalo customer service line? Oh, yes. Great. Hey, I was calling because I'd like to file a complaint. Yeah, specifically against Buffalo on the brain with Vince Taylor. Yeah, I really enjoy that show, and it only comes out once a week, and I really need to have more Buffalo Bills content, but Vince Taylor's a lazy slob, and he only does it once a week. Are you telling me that Built in Buffalo Podcast Network has a podcast about the Buffalo Bills every single day of the week? Every day. So it doesn't matter what day it is, I have new Buffalo Bills content on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Well, that's amazing. I would like to withdraw my complaint. Thank you very much. Uh, that's a little weird, but I love you too, I guess. Yeah, have a great day. All right, Bills Mafia. I am joined again by the newly promoted Zach Vaughn, who recently took on some new responsibility over there on the Buffalo Fanatics channel. And he took a few minutes out of his day off to talk to me. Zach, how you doing? I'm pretty good, Vince. How are you? Good. Why don't you tell us about your new responsibilities over there? 
Yeah, well, recently I was promoted to editor-in-chief at Buffalo Fanatics, so I, of course, have had to take a step back from the writing side just because I'm getting more involved with the editing of everyone else's content. Though I do hope to get back to writing as soon as I can figure out you know, my schedule with the editing, and also I started a new, like, grown-up job as some people refer to it a real world job recently so i'm just trying to balance that and the editing and getting situated with that so i intend to get back into the writing but for right now it's mainly the editing and then doing the real life work <laughs> good for you man keep the good work and i'm <laughs> i'm gonna tell you as somebody in my early 40s it doesn't get any easier <laughs> oh geez <laughs> yeah all right, we're going to go ahead and get started. So you know the drill. I have 10 questions in front of me. Just pick a number. Which one would you like? I think today I will go with number seven. Everybody always picks seven. I guarantee you every week, everyone always picks seven. <laughs> I, okay. I just thought of Doug Flutie. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this one's more of a, a, a general kind of vague opinion-based question, as most of them are. But... Um, if we're bringing everybody back, there's not perceived to be a lot of holes in the roster. Sure, uh, there are places maybe where we can upgrade, but there's there's not a lot of holes in the roster. But what is your biggest concern for the Bills going into this season? Well, I would say, first of all, that is a very good question. It's Obviously, it's easier and harder to answer this question because of the fact that there's so few holes on this team. But I would have to say that the biggest issue might very well be either the cornerback two position or maybe like maybe running back because at running back, we all know we know that Singletary has been working out and doing all the right things this offseason. But obviously, we won't know whether or not he's truly improved until he hits the field. And then you have Zach Moss, who's coming off of that injury in the playoffs. We don't know whether he'll get back to form. He probably will. I'm not trying to say that either of them won't succeed or that Matt Breida won't do anything, but obviously, and actually that may be a very moot point anyways, based on their pass heavy offense from last year. But actually, <laughs> actually, now that I think about it, running back and run blocking, run blocking is probably the bigger issue out of that situation because without good run blocking, it doesn't matter who you have in the backfield because they won't get anywhere. But cornerback two, when you think about the Titans getting Julio Jones, you have Tyreek Hill on the Chiefs, you have all these teams with all these offensive weapons that you have to contend with in the AFC. And what was their biggest weakness last in the championship game? It was the fact that they couldn't really cover Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. They couldn't cover the speed. They couldn't cover those guys. And again, I have been a staunch defender of Levi Wallace. He is above average. He is fine. He's a serviceable guy. And I love Dane Jackson. But obviously, if you're going to contend in the postseason, you got to at least figure out who the guy is there. And the fact that you don't really have that set in stone yet. Okay. Maybe that's not as big of a deal because we're heading into training camp and obviously that's a position battle. But I think if you were to bring in like a Steven Nelson or 
maybe possibly a Richard Sherman just to contend for that, give a bit more experience back there and settle that a bit more. That would go a long way this year. I agree with a lot of what you said. Now I, I'm going to tell you, I, I have no interest in Richard Sherman at all. I like Richard Sherman. I think he's, he's on the other side of his career. I'm not even sure he's a big upgrade from what we have with Levi right now. Um, Probably not. Maybe, maybe he is, but it feels to me like we'd be doing the Josh Norman experiment all over again. So, but you, when you mentioned Steven Nelson, yes, I'm all in on Steven Nelson. I'm very vocal about that. Mostly because I want somebody that has a little bit more speed and, and can run a little bit more um, than Levi Wallace. And I'm not here to hate on Levi. Like I think you and I agree on that. He's fine. You know, we have had good defenses with him there, but that doesn't mean we can't improve. Doesn't mean we couldn't upgrade now. He, we prize his tackling ability and his, you know, zone coverage. And he's, he's willing to, I mean, he'll get out muscled, but at least he's willing to get in some guys faces sometimes. So there's, there's good things about Levi and he wants to be here, but uh, I'm with you. Like that should have been a spot. I think we could have upgraded, but um, you know, his, his supporters will say, well, he, he's won the job every year. And I say, who is he beat? And they say, well, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean like him. And I say, really? Because what's the contract they keep giving him? So they, sh- it's just so weird. Cause I feel like there's, there's enough there to say that they don't really love him, but they like having him around and they've not really made the move to upgrade either. So I don't understand that. Um, but my, my concern would, would be similar to yours on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, when people are worried about our running backs, I'm not worried about motor at all. Um, I am with you. I think the run blocking was a concern and outside of the tackles, you know, even the pass protection, you know, it's kind of hard for me to judge sometimes because I'm just a dumb fan. But when I see the pressure coming, it's always coming from the middle and Josh is so agile. He just runs outside the pocket and it's Gabe Davis on the sideline or something like that, you know? So, um, you know, well, we didn't have everybody play together last year. I'm like, well, you know, you still don't have a lot of talent there. You, what are you expecting, you know, Cody Ford to make a miraculous jump again? So, I don't know. I'm, I agree with you. And I would also just add on, too, about the cornerback situation, how you mentioned that McDermott and Bean may not necessarily be as in love with Levi Wallace as fans may think because of the contract he gets. I would even add to the fact that you've seen times where they kind of platoon that CB2 role where it's like, even though Levi was nominally named the starter and he showed up on the first snap or the first few series, there were games where he would be taken out like every other series in favor of Josh Norman or Kevin Johnson or whoever. So it's not necessarily that they have fully committed to him at that position either. Yeah. I, I, I need somebody smarter than me to tell me why that is because he's not terrible, but you could do a lot better, you know? Uh, So, yeah. All right. Well, Zach, you got anything else for me? All I can really say is uh, go check out all the amazing content at Buffalo, the Buffalo fanatics.com. Our writers have been killing it and they've been, they were killing it long before I became editor in chief and they're still killing it now. So, we had a couple of great pieces come out today. Our cap, our cap specialist wrote a piece about who, what he thought were the three worst contracts on the team. Not to say that they all need to be get, gotten rid of or anything, just noting them. 
And we also just had a piece that posted about maybe 10 minutes before I came on to record this with you. And it was a uh, community poll piece about who should be the kick returner this year, kick and punt returner. Obviously, I guess it's not really a spoiler to say it was Isaiah McKenzie's to run away with, but there were some other interesting options and some interesting takes in there too. So go to the Buffalo Fanatics.com. I got all our writers. We also have the amazing podcasts on the Buffalo Fanatics Podcast Network and the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. And of course, the social media guys are killing it too. So, yeah, you guys have been really good to me over there. So I appreciate you guys and uh, Nap and Steve and uh, Tilt. And yeah, I, I enjoy the content you guys put out too. So, uh, and you got to give yourself a little bit more credit, Zach. You're killing it because you're the editor now. They stepped their game up because of you. <laughs> All right. What are you going to do with the rest of your day off? Uh, probably just uh, go back on Twitter and scour around. <laughs> Maybe post a meme or two. I don't know. <laughs> Enjoy a beer. Like, <laughs> one of those. None, you've earned it. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. All right, Zach. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes for me tonight. And we'll look for uh, some of the content coming out on Buffalo Fanatics. All right. Thanks for having me on again. Ladies and gentlemen of Bill's Mafia, next up in the hot seat, we have my coworker and friend of the pod, Justice General, who is also probably coming to us live from some airport terminal somewhere in the country and also has all of the airline miles. Justice, how are you doing? <laughs> What's up, Vince? How you doing, man? I'm all good. <laughs> how is the wind chill factor coming? Uh, it's good. It's, it's still a work in progress. Um, you know, I'm, I'm new to the podcasting, the whole scene, um, you know, so all of ours can't be as polished and uh, as high quality as yours, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, you give me way too much credit, my friend. <laughs> no, man, your your quality, the promos, all of it is amazing, bro. Like you're you're really good. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, well you're making me blush, so we're, I'm gonna push right through that and go ahead and get started. <laughs> all right, so you know the drill. I have ten questions in front of me. You can have any number you like, except number seven. Which one would you like? Except number seven. Mm, I, I'll go four. My lucky number is four, so let's do that one. All right. So this is not necessarily Bill's one, but it so relates to the AFC East. Um, I was a little bit surprised when the Patriots re-signed Cam Newton. He's just so bad, so bad last year throwing the football. How many games do you think Mac Jones starts this year under Bill Belichick? Ooh, that's a good question. Honest, if I'm going to be honest, I don't think he starts any games. I think that uh, last year the Patriots had garbage like around Cam, and so – he looked like garbage by association, but I, I think that Cam is—he's uh, you know, respectable. Like I would say, he's like middle of the pack, maybe slightly below average uh, as far as being you know quarterback in the NFL. If I had to rank like the thirty-two quarterbacks, I'd probably put him around like you know that twenty to twenty-five range. Um, so I don't—I don't think he's like awful, um, but. Uh, I think that, you know, he, he didn't have anything around him last year. They put a little bit more around him this year. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but I, I, I think that they'll be in some kind of contention. And I don't see, you know, Bill just 
throwing in a rookie just for the hell of it. So I, I don't, I don't really actually, I don't think he's going to uh, start any games this year, for being honest. I, I agree with you. I, I find it very unlikely for a Bill Belichick team to roll with a rookie in any situation. And I had Joe Marino on a few weeks ago and he is of the impression that, you know, he wants to win as many games as he can before he goes out the door and retires and starting a rookie quarterback seems to go directly against that philosophy. And I, I agree with Joe. I think he's right on that. So I, right. I would say that it's probably more likely that if something were to happen with cam, like an injury, or if cam just, you know, has another eight, passing touchdown year and we're like week nine and he's just got like four or something. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say that's probably a lot more likely that we would see Jared Stidham than we would Mac Jones. Yeah, I, I agree with that actually. I think uh, cause Stidham, you know, he keeps bringing Stidham back. So clearly Stidham has something that he likes, you know, whether it's just that he knows the system or maybe he's a practice hero. I'm not quite sure, but Stidham ends up on a roster very often so or i'm sorry i'm thinking of brian hoyer but stidham is still there and stidham was supposed to be the guy so that may, maybe yeah actually um yeah maybe it will be stidham i wouldn't be surprised yeah you're right i forgot about brian hoyer he's there too oh he uh, is there okay yeah. so yeah, yeah. all right I, I see brian hoyer starting honestly before like us before uh mac jones yeah i said i don't think bill wants to play a high scoring game i think he wants to try to suppress your offense and then try to hold the ball a little bit and with the running games and just long clock eating drives. I, I yeah. feel like, you know, Cam Newton running on the ground and, and maybe a more run first approach. Like, I don't feel like he cares if he's getting 250 passing yards from a quarterback. If he gets 150 and one touchdown, I think he's probably happy with that. Absolutely. I think he's going to play the same style of, you know, just the same philosophy that the Bills had in Josh Allen's sophomore season where it's kind of just like run the ball, don't turn the ball over. Um, because if you remember, Josh was pretty excellent at not turning the ball over his second year, or as far as not throwing interceptions, at least he had a pummeling problem. But uh, I digress. Um, I think that they're, you know, just trying to make sure, like you said, you know, the defense is, is good. The defense always has been good. And, and obviously he's a defensive-minded, you know, mastermind. Uh, so, yeah, I think they're going to, you know, shoot for low scoring games and try to, you know, win it in the end, you know, force you to make mistakes and play clean football. You know, that's always been the Patriot way. So I don't, I don't see them, you know, straying away from that. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely agree. Now my, my opinion has not changed much on the Patriots. Like I still, I don't think they're a threat to the AFC East. I don't really think they're going to be in contention for a playoff spot. Just when you look around the AFC and you see all the other teams that are going to be, possibly making a move like the chargers like i would put the Bengals ahead of the patriots um yeah I, I i feel like any given week it wouldn't surprise me if they played the chiefs and they beat the chiefs but at the end of the year i think if they end they're just going to end up with something close to 500. yeah i, I agree with you there um and uh, you know what the Bengals is interesting because it kind of speaks to exactly what i was about to say so it's interesting that you say that I think that the Patriots have a, a obviously the greatest head coach of all time, and they have a, a, a slightly above average roster with everybody coming back. I would say, um, and the only problem is they don't have a superstar quarterback. 
and that's the advantage we have over them. Uh, the Jets hope they have over him, and the Dolphins obviously don't have because two is horrible. But uh, I would say that they don't have a superstar quarterback, and that is the difference between you know a wild card berth and an AFC championship berth. You know what I mean? Because you don't have the Allens, the Mahomes, Rogers, Wilsons, you know, even Lamar Jackson. You kind of have uh, Cam Newton, who's a little, maybe a lot past his prime. Uh, so. I don't think they'll be able to get over that hump to especially to what you just said about them being 500. I could see that maybe nine and seven, nine and eight, excuse me. So yes, now that we have 17 game shows, have to do the math. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I would have been a lot more worried about the Patriots if they had found a way to get like Matt Ryan, you oh know? God. Yeah. Then that's okay. I, I still I would take Josh terrifying. over Matt Ryan, but yeah, that's, that would make them much much more formidable, yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. You put Matt Ryan with Bill Belichick. That is scary. It's basically Tom Brady, honestly, like because Tom Brady and Matt Ryan's talent isn't that different. You know what I mean? Obviously, Tom Brady uh, had, you know, he benefited from having Bill Belichick and that Patriot system. Uh, and he, he, you know, got the tools to become a great quarterback over time. But, you know, to start out, he wasn't anything special. Uh, so I think if you put Matt Ryan in that system, he does incredible things. So I, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, uh, and I, that's kind of how I judge quarterbacks. If fourth quarter down by a score, how comfortable do you feel with that guy leading the leading your drive? You know, to, to get you back in the game. And with Cam Newton, the answer is almost zero. <laughs> yeah, I'm, with Matt I'm Ryan, like a I'm three. Yeah. With Matt Ryan, I'm like, no, okay, that's you know, probably seven. You know, that's something yeah. that, that might change my mind a little bit, but yeah. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> All right, Justice. What else you got for me? Uh num an another number. Yeah, you can have another number if you want. Sure. Um okay, let's let's go with uh Emmanuel Sanders. He he's going number one this year, right? I think this is something that we've talked about maybe in our group chat or you were posting about lately, but um, rank the AFC contenders. Ooh. Mm, the AFC is going to be tough this year. It, at least on paper, it looks tough. Uh, I will say until we beat the Chiefs, I have to put them at one, unfortunately, even though I think that us going into a fourth year with everybody intact is going to be like super beneficial for us. And I think that'll, that might be able to put us over the hump. Uh, but until it happens, I would say chiefs one bills two. Um, Titans three, I think, I think Titans, you know, with that Julio move really, I'm not super worried about their defense, but they have such firepower on offense that, you know, if they get one or two, you know, turnovers a game, it's, it's not, it, it seems like it, it should be, you know, game over. But we'll see what happens with that. I would say Titans three, Ravens four. Nope, 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 nope. Yep, Ravens four. I'll go yep. Browns five, and then I'll, I, I'll say Colts six. And, oh, wait, there's a seventh team in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Hmm. Well, the Steelers are horrible. I don't think the Steelers are doing anything this year. 
I don't know who I would give that six spot to. I'm not sure yet. Um, yeah, I can't think of anybody. Everybody who I want to say has like a really young quarterback that I don't believe in. Um, I, I would, I would, maybe the Patriots or the Dolphins might fight for it. Um, but like Burrow, I, I like Burrow, but that team's not ready. Uh, Zach Wilson, that team's definitely not ready. You know, Trevor Lawrence, obviously they're horrible. Um, so yeah, I, I'll go either the Patriots or the Dolphins might be that seventh spot. Okay. I, th- I think that I, I mean, Chiefs are obviously still number one. I think I, it's hard for me to, to fathom anybody that doesn't want to put them in the number one spot. Um, so he's still got to go with the Chiefs. Um, I would like to make everybody happy and say that I, I think it's a definite thing that Bill's number two. I don't think I can get that far. Now, um, mm. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably, I'm leaning towards the Browns at number two. I think the Browns are going to take a chance. Really? Why do you think the Browns are? better than the bills. I just think they're going to get um, everybody back from COVID. Mm-hmm. I, I think they have increased their secondary. I think Baker seems to be taking a little bit of an uptick. I, I don't not. I don't think I would rank him, you know, in the top five or maybe not even the top 10, but I think he's good enough with everybody around them. And they just have a wicked rushing attack with uh, Nick Chubb and, you know, Travis Landry, Odell Beckham, you know they can make some noise, and I, I, I'm predicting them to take a little bit of a jump. Um, I, I, it's either them or the Bills. You know that I feel like number two. I don't want to just come out and, and say the Bills are definitely number two because we were in the AFC Championship game. Um, we're still going to be a good team, but the Browns are a much better. The Browns, I think, have improved more than we did. Let me say it that way. In this offseason, yeah, they've improved more than we did. I would say, although I think there is something to keeping everybody together. I do. I think that, uh, you know, having camaraderie for a year plus and then going into training camp with the exact same, you know, people intact and then going through another full season, I think that that, you know, might be beneficial to us. My only, my only concern with the Browns is that they've had a really, really good roster since Baker's second year and they haven't done anything. Like last year they got super lucky. You know what I mean? Like, it, it wasn't even, like, you know, they, they kind of got good toward the end of the year, sure. But if you take the running game away from Baker, I don't believe in him at all. And he has probably top three, if not the best rushing attack in the league. You know, so, uh, you know, I, I you, you give him the best, if not, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the league. He was probably the best at, at the time when they got him. Didn't do anything with him. You give him another, you know, top 15 guy in Jarvis Landry. He he performed and he produced, but, you know, they weren't able to, like, you know, turn it into wins. And then, obviously, Kareem Hunt and, and Nick, Nick Chubb, you know, they were the bell cows, but you, you can't always win games running the football because if a team can throw it all over the yard and you're taking eight minutes to score because you have to run, team come, like the Bills comes down and scores in two and a half minutes, Obviously, you're behind the eight ball, uh, but and, and don't you know turn the ball over or you know have to punt because then you're not you're gonna have to throw and put Baker under pressure and I don't think he's gonna perform well under pressure. I, I'm sorry, I just don't believe in Baker to be honest with you. I don't love Baker, but I think he is trending up, and yeah. you know it. They get a lead. That's they're a much tougher team with a lead than they are coming from behind. I'll give you that. 
Absolutely. Uh, then I'll go. I'll go Titans, Ravens, Colts, and then I don't know how many I got there. Um, Those six. Uh, I'll say Chargers as my seventh. Ooh, that's a good one. And they have a new head coach, the the guy from LA. Yeah. Yeah, because last year they should have been really good, and Anthony Lake kind of dropped the ball a couple times. It could be Denver too. I don't think Denver's going to light the world on fire, but I think they're pretty well rounded. And, and I, I like Teddy as uh, you know, Teddy's not going to come out and throw for forty five hundred yards and thirty touchdowns, but he'll probably get thirty five and twenty five, and, and they'll run the ball well. Yeah, I, I like Teddy. I think he's decent. Um, I remember I wanted him for for us at a point. Uh, glad that didn't happen, but um, I, I did like him. Um, I just don't believe in Denver. I think they have a good defense. I don't know if it'll be great anymore. And I don't like it. Oh, if Aaron is 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 really unhappy and he, you know, decides not to play with the, the Packers and, and Aaron Rodgers does go to, to the Broncos, then you know, obviously they jump in my top three. Um, but until then I'm I'm not super sold on the Broncos, honestly. Okay. All right. Well, that's all I got for you, Justice. So uh, unless you got something else for me or you got a question for me. Yeah, actually. Um, what do you think of our defensive line for next year? What, what are you uh, projecting for them? I don't know. I know I understand the reason why we picked the, the, the defensive ends back-to-back. Uh, I'm warming up to the idea as time passes, but you know, the, the truly elite defensive pass rushers, the guys that everybody wants, are generally not available at 30th. Right, They're gone mm-hmm. in the top 10. Uh, so we took a project guy and I'm not saying I don't like him, but he is a project guy. So for this year, I, I I'd be thrilled if he gave us really any sort of meaningful contribution and um, boogie Basham, I like he's from what I understand, he's a better version of Shaq Lawson, which should help the run game tremendously. Right. Um, but you know, he is going to be a rotational piece. I don't know if him alone is going to be enough to change the the outlook of the dynamic of the team on its own. Star Latule is somehow I always say he gets too much credit and not enough credit somehow at the same time. But he's gonna be a key to unlocking everything, I think. And it's it's too bad that such a great defense is so reliant on just one player like that. And you know, I'm glad he's not sitting home eating bonbons, but uh <laughs> You know, I, I'll I won't feel one hundred percent better until we actually see some uh, something from him in a game. Yeah, I I, I see where you're coming from. Uh, for me, honestly, I I think this star. I don't even need star to be like crazy productive. Honestly, I think that you kind of just need him to take on the double teams and to fill gaps. And I, I think that Ed Oliver is is gonna have a break breakout year, and I think that he's gonna bring all the productivity. Uh, and I, I'll say this, Greg Russo had a half of a less sack than Chase Young the last time he played. And Chase Young was drafted, what, number two, I believe? So for me, it's kind of like, okay, you, you can't you, – you, there's no there's no way you have 15 and a half flukes. You know what I mean? Like maybe he's not as – explosive or dynamic or you know as as a as a chase young but you know he's getting to the quarterback you know whether you like it like you know whether you want to admit it or not like he's he gets to the quarterback and i think that that is 
something that we could use, you know, especially with our secondary, you know, that we, a lot of times there's quarterbacks just standing in the pocket, just, you know, grilling hot dogs, like reading a book, like you could just stand there, whatever, with our defensive line and nobody's getting through. Um, but I think that Basham is tough. I think that they both have really, really high motors. And uh, so, like I said, with our, with our secondary, uh, we have a, a, an amazing secondary, probably elite upper echelon in the league. Uh, and they, you know, obviously can fill some gaps and make the quarterback have to hold the ball a little bit longer. And I think that'll give, uh, you know, Boogie and Greg enough time to be able to make a play. At least I'm hoping so. And, and like I said, obviously, I think Ed Oliver is going to collapse the pocket. Uh, but then the the way I look at the draft, how we drafted, I would say that we have a strong skill position as far as wide receivers and running backs. We obviously have strong quarterback. We uh, have a strong secondary and a, a pretty good defense. Or I'm sorry, um, linebacking core. Our two biggest weaknesses was offensive line and defensive line, in my my uh, my estimation. And Brandon Bean went out and got massive people, like big, huge guys, strong, you know, gritty guys who don't give up on any play. You know, you got one of the guys, Spencer Brown, jumping. I think it was Spencer Brown jumping through a table. Like you know, these guys, they're you know, they're mean and they're aggressive. Like, you know, they don't, you know, that's, that's what we need on our line, you know, exactly both sides of the ball, honestly, because we were weak up front on both sides of the ball and to win 13, what should have been 14 games. And then the, the two real losses we had were both on unscheduled, you know, um, or I'm sorry, rescheduled games that, you know, you may not necessarily have been prepared for as much as you could have been when you're expecting to play on one day. And you have to, you know, play on a different day. I'm sure that that, that takes a toll. Um, so uh, if if we lost, like I said, we, we only had, you know, the one fluke loss, we should have won 14 games. So if you can win 14 games with a weak offensive and defensive line, because the game is won in the trenches, and we won the game everywhere but the trenches. So I think that making, you know, both sides of the ball – bigger and stronger, I think that that'll go a long way toward success, hopefully this year, but definitely success in the future. Yeah. My only question to that is they're both tackles, Tommy Doyle, Spencer Brown, and we already have Deion Dawkins. He's not going anywhere for a while. And I know that Daryl Williams was pretty good last year. Yeah. Um, And he's been good in the past. And I know that the contract that we signed him to, and I don't have it in front of me, but it's easy to get out of after this year. So my only criticism for brain, and he's smarter than I am. I'm just a dumb podcast host in Indiana. What the hell do I know anyway? But <laughs> could that pick have been better spent by drafting a center or a guard? Well, I will say this guard play around the league is pretty bad. So um, I don't think we're like too much behind the eight ball in that department. Um, I think that's the reason they gave Feliciano another chance is because you look around the league and guard, you, you there aren't a ton of guards that are really good that you can go out and get. Like there's a lot of tackles that you know are serviceable and can come in and, and do the job. But uh, just around the league, guard play overall is is, is below average. So it's hard to find. And that's I think honestly, I think that's why they took tackles. And we're like, okay, maybe we can, you know, 
transform them into a productive guard you know what i mean like just with their size and, and strength um so that's i i'm not sure obviously like you on just a dumb podcast but <laughs> i think that that's that's where brandon bean is was thinking you know what i mean like uh because you look at look, we were in the running for like gabe jackson or something and gabe is gabe jackson is not even really good he's just he's one of the better guards who were available and again he wasn't he wasn't elite by any means you know what i mean so uh i think that brandon bean was maybe thinking outside of the box and was trying to just you know make something shake by taking a couple tackles and maybe uh you know hoping they could uh you know play some guard okay all right and Justice General will be filling in for me next week along with Jeremy from the Buffalo Fanatics channel. I was telling uh, folks today it's going to be like Jim Rome in the mid-2000s when he used to have the Sklar brothers on a few times a year, and the show always was yeah. ten, 10 times better when they were on. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, I, don't, I don't know if it will be 10 times better, but now I got um, a lot of I'm pressure definitely excited. <laughs> all right, Justice. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk sometime over the weekend, all right? Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate you, man. Enjoy the rest of your night. Absolutely. You too, Vince. Bye. Bill's Mafia joining me back in the Mafia hot seat for the second time is Nate from Circle the Wagons. Nate, how are you doing today? Good, good, Vince. Thanks for having me on again. I, I feel very special, very fortunate. This is a this is a fun time. It's the peak off season, so yeah. I mean, anything uh, and everything related is it's a fun topic. You are always so gracious. I I appreciate that. Uh, and by the way, if you have not heard. Nate did an awesome interview with one of my childhood guys, Don Beebe. It's up right now on the Buffalo Rumblings Network. Uh, please go over and check that out. I really enjoyed it. And Don Beebe was one of my guys. And Nate is just such a tactful and passive and, not, no, I want to say patient interviewer. So go check that out. Yeah, thank All right. you. Thank you. It was, a, it, was, it was a fun interview. I'll say that. But it's one of those things where, you know, you're, you're, you're so kind with those words. Uh, you know, Don just – he just does the interview himself. You know, it's like I'm always very critical of the way that I interview uh, players listen back to it. There are times where I'm like, oh, you know, I probably should have worded that a little bit better. But he's just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've interviewed – I've been fortunate enough to interview several Bills players, past and present, and uh, I don't know, man. Bills, Bills players are just a different breed. They're, they're, they're a great group. Okay. Well okay. – we're going to go ahead and get started. As you know, I have 10 questions listed in front of me. Uh, numbers one, numbers four, and number seven are off the board. Which one would you like? Man, I went number one last time. I was really hoping it would be there. Uh, but I'll go, I'll go number two. Number two. I like this one because there's a lot of good answers. Which Bills player has the most pressure to step up this year? Oh man, you know this. Uh, this kind of reminds me of a poll that I saw 
from, I believe it was Buffalo Feelings on Twitter, um, that was like, you know, which of these four players has the most pressure, basically, like you said, to step up next year. And it was, the first one was Oliver, the second one was Tremaine Edmonds, the third one was Cody Ford, and the fourth one was Gabe Davis. And I thought they were all pretty good answers, um, options there. Actually, and then, you know, after thinking about it, I would have subbed out Gabe Davis because he actually proved a lot his rookie year. He had a great rookie season. Um, I replaced him with uh, Dawson Knox because uh, I think all four of those players need to show some progress this next season. And I, I think I like all four of those. Uh, if I had to pick one specific based on several different criteria as far as draft stock, draft status, where they were picking the draft, what their acumen was coming out of college, uh, what position they play, I think I'm going to have to go at Oliver. And uh, the reason I'm going at it because of all those when he was drafted, I think, what was it, ninth overall um, in the uh, draft. This will be his third season. He's shown flashes, but he just hasn't been able to put together the kind of uh, season yet that we want him to. Now, if you're a film buff, you'll say, oh, he had a great season. Well, it's, it's kind of hard to tell from, from just watching the game how good he really is. And, um, you know, I, when the Bills play, uh, played against uh, – the Jets last year, and they played against defensive tackle Quinn and Williams, who went ahead of Ed Oliver before the draft. And he was a disruptive force in the backfield for Josh Allen and the Bills' running game. And I'm like, okay, this is the guy that this is the kind of guy that we want Ed Oliver to be this next season. And um, I'm hoping he makes it. He gets to that level because it, before the draft, I don't know if you remember this, Vince. He was he was talked about as being the number one overall pick before this started. So, um, you know, I, I know it takes a little while to become a really good, you know, three-tech defensive tackle, and a lot of shifting and moving around was done last year. Combined, but um, if we get legitimate progress from him this next season, I mean, that defense is just on a whole other level last year, where he didn't do so well last year, but um, I mean, he takes it defensive pressure-wise, uh, you know, stopping the run. I mean, that, that's, that's, who, that's who I would pick. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's, that's a good pick. Um, I might be feeling slightly differently about Ed Oliver if we took, picked him at 30 instead of 9. Uh, maybe we're judging him a little bit more harshly based on his draft position, and that's fair. Uh, but you, yeah, you mentioned Quinn and Williams. Quinn and Williams hasn't been that much better, you know, and there's a lot of people out there making excuses for Ed Oliver and he's playing out of position and, you know, doesn't have anybody next to him. I don't know. I don't know if I pick you at nine, I kind of want the people next to you to be better instead of the other way around. But uh, yeah, he, he definitely does have something to prove and I'm not here to doubt him. I, I think he's probably, I think he's going to get it right. Um, I, I'm not worried about him at all. I'm more confident in him getting it right than the other players on that list. So like Tremaine Edmonds, I mean, you still kind of, he's shown flashes at least, but he hasn't put together the consistency. I mean, he made the Pro Bowl. I mean, obviously decent, but um, there's just times when he's not next to Matt Milano 
and there's injuries ahead of him and the defensive line's a mess ahead of him. Like he just had a hard time, you know, finger blockers and finding the right holes. It seems like he guessed wrong, you know, pretty often. And, um, you know, it's, I, I, but again, I mean, what is he like 23? I mean, the guy's too young. So, um, and he was thrown in, you know, at what, 20, 20 years old. So, um, I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass there. Cody Ford, as far as he's concerned, um, I mean, he last year, he only had one year under his belt. And for half that season, he was put in, you know, potentially the wrong position. So, uh, you know, I get it. And then the Dawson Knox, I mean, he was a third round pick. Titans take a long time to develop. I just wished he was showing a little bit more right now. So if you had to guess, I'll put you on the mafia hot seat, Vince. Um, if you had to guess between the next between Tremaine Edmonds, Cody Ford, and Dawson Knox, which one do you think has uh, has the most pressure to step up in 2021? Uh, I'm going to pick Tremaine. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to not make any friends with this statement, but I'm not going to shy away from it. Now, I, I feel like there's a lot of people, and I talked about this last week, I think maybe with Steve Mathis, but if you say anything negative about Tremaine, I think people will jump on you and automatically assume you're going to the opposite extreme. And that's not how I feel. I feel like he's just kind of fine. You know, um, I do think he guesses wrong a lot. Like you said, I feel like if you get a blocker on him, he's out of the play forever, but I feel like he's got a good range and he can chase you down sideline to sideline. And some of the things you want your linebacker to do, I think he can do pretty well. But if you're going to pay him to be like a game changing linebacker based on his draft status, He's not that, at least to me. So we did pick up his fifth-year option. He's essentially, to me, in my eyes, has two more years to to put it together. Uh, we can talk about how young he is all day long, but I don't want to give him a contract just because he's young and you've not showed me it yet. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, he, absolutely. Uh, Cody Ford, yeah, he's been hurt and he's been moved around, and it's not going to all be on Cody Ford, and I'll agree with that, but – Hey, you know, if you're trying to get a second contract in the NFL, availability matters. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you mentioned I think about the thing about Tremaine Edmonds too. Now that you mention it, is his position. I feel like is more important than the guard position or the tight end position. you know, within the respect of their own side of the ball, like the middle linebacker is basically the quarterback of the defense. So that's such a such that's more important position than potentially tight end with the Bills barely tight end and they had one of the best passing offenses in the league, you know. I I keep bringing that up all the time. Yeah, we could like to get more from Dawson Knox, but we have also moved on without getting anything from him. Uh, but it, it, he's it feels like Brandon Bean is always drafting these guys that he's drafting on tools and hoping that they just kind of grow into it, and he's got. Some right, Josh Allen among them, and he's missed on some. I feel, or so far, he's missed on some. The book's not written yet, but it looks like he's missing on some other ones. And Dawson Knox is one of those guys. I think um, I'm actually calling for uh, Jacob Hollister to have a better year than Dawson Knox. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility whatsoever. I think it'll be more likely than not to happen, in my opinion. Yeah, you mentioned Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis did step up. He's the toe, da- toe drag swag. 
uh, <laughs> it seems like it's a thing, like almost every game he's making one of those ridiculous uh, sideline catches. But he had opportunity last year because John Brown was down for so much. Now, in the absence of another injury, he's probably not going to get the same opportunity that he did last year, I don't think. Yeah, probably not. But uh, I, I don't see how that plays out in training camp because the Bills paid Emmanuel Sanders. He's a veteran. Even though he's older, you figure that he's probably going to take that position. But I think they're, they're going to want to slide Gabe Davis in, you know, as much as they can when, you know, the defense allows it to or what, what it makes sense schematically. So if you if you have four receivers or maybe giving Emmanuel Sanders, you know, a playoff to, for Gabriel Davis, yeah. Yeah, I could – that'll be interesting because you don't want him to less playing time than last year, ideally, right, because you want him to grow. Um, so you don't want to set him back because he's proven that he can handle it for the most part. He had a couple of drops last season that weren't – but at the same time, I think he showed a lot. And, uh, in fact, it's funny. The other day I woke up to Gabe Davis liking one of my tweets from when he was drafted randomly, like, what was it, a year or a year ago. And uh, that was funny. Usually you don't get many likes or retweets or whatever from people with check marks on the Circling the Wagons podcast Twitter account. So that was, that was kind of embankment. So I've just been searching out Gabe Davis, <laughs> Gabriel Davis or whatever. Ah, oh, Nate, you're a heavy hitter. You don't give yourself enough credit, man. <laughs> and I should be following oh. me back, Vince. He's got to, you know, don't just like the tweet, follow me back. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> come on, Gabe. What are you doing? I know. Come on, man. Just catch this one. Don't let this one fall through your hands. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, what else you got for me, Nate? Man, um, I I, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like some interesting questions for future podcasts, and one question that I keep kind of going through my mind is what would be a price cut from the Bills team this this season, you know, after the preseason is done and they make the 53-man roster. I'm trying to think of a price cut, and I, and I can't really come up with one other than, okay, I'll, I'll ask you first. Do you Have you thought that far ahead, and have you thought of anyone that, you know, could potentially – be cut that you wouldn't expect necessarily. Yeah, I've actually, I think I've asked a few people that question on the hot seat, but um, I've got some answers ranging from, uh, of course, Mario Addison. Somebody thought mentioned Jerry Hughes, but they didn't really believe that. Um, Vernon Butler, even if we just mm-hmm. restructured him. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, Justin from uh, the Wandering Buffalo, he picked Isaiah McKenzie. That was a good one. Is that, it, it's it's something that you maybe wouldn't expect, but I I think that can happen. Yeah, you know, that one makes a lot of sense just because of the contract value. I mean, he's owed so little, and they brought in other options in returning and also playing, you know, that position. I, I, could, I could definitely see it happening. That was a good one. Good job, Wandering Buffalo. I was thinking, like, people are saying Starla Tulele. Um, but he's still a huge dead cap if they cut him. And if anything, I feel like they need him even more so after what happened last season. 
Yeah, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he's basically guaranteed a, jo a job this year because if we cut him, it will actually hurt us for to cut him than it would to just keep him on the team. Yeah, it doesn't add up. It's like a six million dollar dead cap or something like that. So yeah. it's a decent chunk of change, you know. So yeah, that's I don't know. I'm and then and then you know also, you know if I if I if I still have you on the hot seat, <laughs> uh, like what is which rookie do you see contributing the most in their rookie season this year? Ooh, okay. Let me think about this. Um, it, I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Wild Goose takes a slot job from Saron Jackson. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Marquez Stevenson takes the return, kick and return duties from Isaiah McKenzie. Um, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Boogie Basham starts contributing. It'll probably be later in the year, but I bet we get something from him. So which one contributes the most? I'm going to say Boogie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like he's the most pro-ready uh, between him and Rousseau. So, um, yeah, that'll be, man, that'll be interesting. You know, which, you know, might be an interesting option for the slot is DeMar Hamlin because uh, Anthony from Disguised uh, Coverage and Cover One tweeted out somewhere, like, the, the amount of snaps he took at free safety, at the, in the slot, in the box. And he took the majority of, I think it was three seasons at Pitt, at uh, slot. So, I mean, I, he might, maybe that's uh, an inkling of, like, maybe a little bit of big nickel playing the slot or what. Um, uh, I don't think necessarily contributing that much this season. But you know what's crazy is, uh, is Rashad Wild Goose, of, like, he has the most, uh, he has the highest draft status of any of, like, the potential TV there, like with Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson, like he's drafted higher than both of those guys. I don't think he's going to necessarily start or even take a lot of reps at TV two, but I don't know, just something funny. Yeah, I've been. <laughs> if you follow me, you know that I've been hollering for that for a while now, and I am all in on the Stephen Nelson uh, train. Just tried to <laughs> convince him to come to Buffalo. It's not going to happen, but I'm not going to stop either. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. And you, you shouldn't. So, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nate, anything else? No, no, thanks for thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. This was uh this is always fun. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, no problem. You're one of my favorites. Uh I I admit it sincerely. Like I I got a handful of ones that are always in the rotation and Circle the Wagons especially during the season is always one I go to. So, No. Oh. All Thanks, right, man. I mean, it's definitely not the most, uh, I mean, we try to inform, but it's mostly to entertain and just to discuss. I mean, you know, we, we won't break down X's and O's, but we'll talk intelligently about the team, but then we'll also just joke around most of the time. So, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I don't know for me, like I like different podcasts for different reasons and I think personality matters a lot. You know, um, I like Jay Spence is just an awesome dude. And I like him so much just for that reason. Kind of the same thing with Nate. Yeah. Yeah. Jay Spence is awesome. I mean, we're really fortunate to, you know, the guys I've talked to on the podcast network in person and over email and over Twitter and stuff like that. I mean, just really cool group guys, just like yourself, 
it's like Steve, like the guys from Cover One. I mean, it's kind of a cool community that I don't think necessarily is everywhere else out there, either podcast or content creator, like media members even. I mean, there's been very few times where a media member where I've asked, you know, to talk to them that they haven't been gracious enough to let their time. So um, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that doesn't happen everywhere. I think Buffalo is just a different breed in general. I feel, I mean, I live, I live in Indianapolis and uh, I don't feel like Indianapolis, my wife's listening in the other room probably, but uh, I don't feel like Indianapolis fans are as knowledgeable or at least can go as deep as Bill's fans. And I'm not plugged into the, like an Indianapolis podcasting community at all, but I do get the feeling that the bills do have something special with the mafia compared to like, at least where I live, you know, Colts fans. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised by that. All right, Nate, as always, man, I appreciate it. And, uh, Please go check out the Don Beebe interview and as well as some other stuff that Nate does, um, does a great job over there on circling the wagons pod. You can see, how do you, what's your Twitter handle, Nate? It's at CTW pod, like uh, circling the wagons pod. We're on, we're on, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that, all that fun stuff. It is. So haven't gotten there. TikTok. I don't know really what that is either. So I just have the three major ones that people of my age group use. <laughs> okay. All right. Nate, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your night. Thanks, Vince. Thanks again for having me on. Happy to do it. And uh, go. Go Bills. Mafia, thank you so much for listening to me this week. That is all I have for you. Please remember, next week, I have two special guests filling in for me. I will be on vacation. Uh, Justice General, my friend and coworker, right here on the Built in Buffalo Network, as well as another friend of the pod, Jeremy, BFF Jeremy, over from the Buffalo Fanatics Network, host of the Buffalo Bootleg. Uh, they're going to collaborate on something. I don't know all the details about what they were working on, but I'm sure it'll be great. As I keep telling everybody, it's going to be like when the Sklars took over for Jim Rome and the show was always 10 times better when the Sklar brothers are on. So look for that next week. Until then, please be kind to everybody. Squeeze somebody close to you in. Go Bills. All right, listen up, y'all. I'm y'all substitute teacher, Mr. Garvey. I taught school for 20 years in the inner city, so don't even think about messing with me. Y'all feel me? Mm -hmm. OK, let's take a roll here. Jay Quellen. Where's Jay Quellen at? No Jay Quellen here? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, do you mean Jacqueline? OK, so that's how it's going to be. Y'all want to play. Okay, then. 
I've got my eye on you, Jay Quillen. Balake. Where is Balake at? There's no Balake here today. Yes, sir. My name's Blake. Are you out of your goddamn mind? Blake. What? Do you want to go to war, Balaki? No. Because we could go to war. No. I'm for real. I'm for real. So you better check yourself. D-nice. Is there a D-nice? If one of y'all says some silly-ass name, this whole class is going to feel my wrath. Now, D-nice. Do you mean Denise? Son of a bitch! You say your name right, right now. Denise? Say it right. Denise. Correctly. Denise. Right. Denise. Right. D-nice. That's better. <sighs> Thank you. Now, A.A. Ron, where are you? Where is A.A. Ron right now? No A.A. Ron, huh? Well, you better be sick, dead, or mute. A.A. Ron. Here. Oh, man. Why didn't you answer me the first time I said it, huh? Huh? I'm just, you know, I'm just asking, you know, I said it like four times, so why didn't you say it the first time I said A.A. Ron? Because it's pronounced Aaron? Son of a bitch! <laughs> you done messed up, A.A. Ron! Now take your ass on down to Oshag Hennessy's office right now and tell him exactly what you did! Who? Oshag Hennessy! Principal O'Shaughnessy? Get out of my goddamn classroom before I break my foot off in your ass! Insubordinate and churlish. Timothy. Present. Thank you. If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention. Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cry-ass. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too! Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. Go.